welcome to my podcast which is all about changing your business and money reality this is your master money coach dr gaurav dekha and you are money hello my friends how have you been today i bring to you a very special episode you know i have not planned this episode that i am going to put up in this podcast but then what happened is yesterday one of our group members inside ataps uh she asked a question about achieving goals and sometimes feeling defeated about not achieving them as in targeting them but not getting them thinking that we would have them but in the end they would not materialize and then you look back and think that oh in the past i have targeted so many goals i have thought of so many goals and i have achieved them i i really used my brain power my muscle power my thinking and i've reached why am i not able to reach there and i wanted to address that question inside the group but it turned out to be a really long beautiful story of my life and how in times of greatest distress and depression when nothing worked out how gratitude and resilience were the two elements that helped me that brought me where i am today that really took me out in the world and showed me how much i can achieve that i can be an example to people people all in the world of what a human being can do even when he or she may come from like really rock bottom space where there is nothing so i wanted to bring that uh, audio live that i did inside the facebook group to all of you so that all of you can listen now caveat i was just sitting in my veranda sipping in my cup of you know tea and recording it there were a lot of sounds going on of construction of birds and of squirrels and all of that so please bear with that sound but i assure you that this podcast this audio that you listen to will not only uplift you but will give you the kind of perspective to look at your life from a completely different direction and i really really hope that you enjoy it so here you go good morning i am doing a sacred pause today it's a short sacred pause and um, i'm just sitting and not doing much i went out this morning thinking like very ambitiously thinking that i'm going to write my newsletter today i usually write my newsletters on tuesdays i also post them on tuesdays and that's a you can call you know that's like a like a rule that is set by me that oh tuesdays are for newsletters and then wednesdays are for my you are money podcast and thursdays or fridays are usually for my um podcast which i give out on substack which is same as the newsletter actually okay i'm sipping my tea <laughs> so 
I set out this morning really, really ambitiously and waking up and still feeling a bit tired because yesterday's workout was really heavy, you know, and um, I've been trying to push my body a little harder because I want to also work on my body a bit more and change a few things here and there and change my shape. So one of my greatest resolution for next year, for the upcoming year is also how do I go ahead and, you know, get that body that I was, I have been thinking of since 2020. So I'm going to go there and that is something I'm going to put probably around 70% of my time in working on my body because that has become my primary goal. Also because, you know, my business is so related to how well uh, disciplined I can make my body. So I don't usually work on disciplining my business. I, I don't tell myself that, oh, I have to write this email or I have to finish this workbook by Wednesday or I have to have to make that offer on Saturday. I don't do that, right? Or I have to get these many sales. I continue to bring the energy of that discipline in my body and I say that, okay, I have my workout at, you know, 2 p.m. I will go and I'll work out till 4. I'll come back and rest till 5 or 5.30. So that entire slot is like a planned slot every day. And I put that and I maintain my discipline on maintaining that slot, on having that slot. So that's how I maintain my discipline for my body. Now, coming back to, um, you know, I just saw on the group that um, Gitika has posted about certain goals being set and how she was always able to achieve those goals. But there comes a point in life when we sometimes cannot achieve the goals that we want to achieve. And then we begin to question that, oh, in the past, I have always achieved whatever I have put my mind to. How is it that now I am not able to achieve or what is wrong with me? Or um, where is that former previous energy gone? Right? We think like that. And I want to tell you one of my personal stories which is um, when I was in, uh, I think I, I, I shifted my school from class five. I mean, in, when I was in class five and I shifted my school uh, to another school. And in that class, you know, in that new school, I, I saw my competitor from the previous school, which is, I mean, he was present there, okay? So, so I saw him there and then I thought that, oh, he's here now, I have to prove myself and I have to somehow make sure that I'm better. So, although I joined that new school late, there was a unit test and I studied my ass off 
like I was very good with my memory. I still am. <laughs> I can I can learn and remember things um, very fast, and I can also store a lot of information in my brain, a lot, and I can remember them and I can pick them up and out whenever I want. So that's what I did. I was in class five and I just swallowed every single thing that was in front of me in my books and in my copies. And in the first unit test, you know, I scored some um, 0.5 more percent than this guy. And I was so, so, so happy. And I was also dreading that by the time the final examinations come, this guy already has cumulative score from previous tests, which I don't have because I joined the school newly, I mean late. And so it happened that when I, I finally graduated class five and went to class six, then uh, I was behind this guy by 0.5%. I felt 0.5%. I felt so defeated. I felt that, oh, just by 0.5%, you know, <laughs> I, could have, I could have really, really pulled this off and I couldn't. So what happened is in class six, there, there were two other girls who came, two more girls who came new to that school. See, that school was like developing and growing and these two new girls came and they were brilliant. They were prolific. They had the best handwriting that I had seen. You know, they were amazing with maths and I, I sucked in maths. You know, I, I used to feel that I don't know why I have to study maths. <laughs> so something like that. But I knew that I am very good with social sciences and all of that. Okay. So, <clears throat> sorry, there's something in my throat. Yeah, so I was very good at social sciences and all of that. And, um, and then I kept on working more and more and more. And I told myself that I am going to be first in class six, no matter what. So I stood first in my half year examination. I stood first in my annual examinations. And then I stood first in class seven, class eight, class nine, repeatedly. Like I set my goal, I did it. I set my goal, I did it. I had become so confident and I knew that I can do it no matter what. You know, it's like real, it was like almost real muscle power, you know, that kind of obsession with my goal. In class 10, what happened is, you know, I became very aware of my romantic inclinations and um, I, I was also very, very, I was growing, right? And my body was growing, hormones were like shooting up and, you know, I was becoming aware of my sexuality. I fell in love with a boy. <laughs> so, so class 10, I just could not, it was like the main examination, right? Class 10 is the main examination. I couldn't perform well. I fell down by like three, four, ranks I, I think it was like fifth sixth in the school and everyone was like shocked at what happened to this guy and when i emerged from that you know horrible 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 relationship and breakup and what happened is i took my class 11 and class 12 very very seriously i it was like almost energy of revenge and vengeance and and i told myself that like i would tell things to my mother that you know, if I don't get through my medical examination in this first attempt, 
I'll do something to myself. And my mom and dad would grow really worried that what has gone into the brain of this guy, you know? But that kind of obsession. I still remember, you know, um, standing below the shower of my bathroom. We had come up with a new house and <laughs> there was like a new bathroom. And then, you know, there was this beautiful shower. And I would um, stand below that shower and I would, uh, you know, rehearse and by heart all the all the questions and answers and all the um, chapters from my biology book um, under the shower. I mean, and I would not waste a minute. Even when I went on a bus to school, I would take the last seat so that no one would come and disturb me. And I would just read and solve as many MCQs in that 30 minutes. When I would come back from school, I would tell my mom, mom, I really don't have time to eat. If you are keen on feeding me, please bring food and feed me. So she would, class 12 boy, imagine. And my mom, I'm sitting there opening my books and my mom is like feeding me with her hands. And my dad, you know, he was like really worried by nightfall because I would just not sleep. I would hardly sleep for like four hours. I sleep at 12 and I'd be wake up, I'd be up by four, you know. I didn't know where that energy came from. And then I appeared for my uh, pre-medical examinations, uh, pre-medical tests. So I went to give the test and I was really overjoyed because I knew I would get through. That was level one. Then there is another level two as well, which you have to travel to. You, I had to travel to Delhi to uh, appear for my level two. So I traveled to Delhi to give my level two. It didn't go as per my satisfaction. I mean, I didn't know the result, but then it didn't go as per I wanted. Like I would come back home and evaluate that this is the amount, this is the number of marks I would get. And, and then the marks wouldn't like add up to what I wanted it to add up to. There's some noise going on outside. Please don't bother. <laughs> so... It won't add up to that. And I felt that I will now not get through my medical tests. I will not get through uh, medicine. So I told my mom and dad that, listen, I'm not getting, going to go th get through. So get me a ticket to Kota, Kota, which is in Rajasthan. Kota is very famous for coaching industry. Uh, coaching is not this coaching that we do. <laughs> coaching as in coaching children for IIT and medical examinations. And I said, get me a ticket to Kota. I'm going to go and I'm not going to wait for the results because I know I'm not going to get. I will prepare and I cannot show my face to anyone. I am ashamed of myself. And, I, and the only way I can redeem uh, the shame of mine is by you know, working hard and making it to AIMS because I no longer want to appear for state examinations. I can't show my face here to anyone in this, in this place. That was the kind of like anger, angst, resolve, whatever you call it. I mean, it amazes me now that I look back at that inner child of mine, you know. I look back at that little 17-year-old boy, you know, with that kind of resolve. I mean, my heart would cry to see someone like that at this moment, you know. As this man that I am today, to see that kind of boy. I would be, I would be really, really sad. 
So my mom and dad said that, you know, Gaurav, just give it one week. In one week, we will have the results. And we promise that we will put you on a train. We will go with you and we'll make sure that you are in a good um, facility. You know, all the amenities are available to you. You haven't had an experience of living outside. So we want to make sure that you are in a good place, even when you go to Kota. So I said, okay, then fine, let's wait for a week. And then meanwhile, <laughs> I was in love with someone else during that time. But this time my ambitions had taken up, you know, my first priority. And um, the day the results came out, I, I and that guy were like, you know, walking on the street. It was, in, it was in Guwahati and I was walking on the street with him. And then I knew that the results were going to come out. And I was like telling him that, you know, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I just feel so sad. He had made it to engineering. Our plans were that I would make it to medical and, you know, and, and then probably look into some kind of future. And, and then I, I, I told him that, you know, I, I will have to leave you and, go i i don't know what can i do and then he said that wait Gaurav, just wait and and let's see what happens and finally the results came out i was i was walking on the street and then uh, someone called and said that Gaurav, uh, you've made it you got through both state as well as in pmt pre-medical test uh, pmt india as well as in the state board you made it through and then he and I rushed to his house, which his house was very close by. And then in, at, during the time, we didn't have laptop. We had like a desktop and then we didn't have like mobile internet Wi-Fi. And somehow we asked for like internet and then we gathered and then we saw my name there. And I cannot tell you how happy I was to get in. I just cannot tell you what happened to me that evening. I called up my mom. I called up my dad. I asked them to come down. Even today, when I talk about it, I become emotional. Like at this moment, as I'm talking about it, I become really, really emotional that I wanted something with so much passion, with so much zest, that there was so much of energy in this young boy to want something in that manner, to desire something with that kind of strength. And uh, after that, of course, you know, I, uh, I went to medical school with all that hopes and all those dreams of making it there and getting one of the best medical schools in India and knowing that, very, knowing very well on the first day that I am going to be a fucking neurologist. That's who I'm going to be, you know? Like, it, it was all decided. It was so, uh, you know, um, strongly primed into my brain. By everyone I met, like my teachers who were so proud of me, my parents, and like, they were like, your brain is made for becoming a neurologist. There is no second option that you should ever think about, Gaurav, because it's the most respectable profession, and it's so honorable to be a neurologist and you know you would not only make money but you know the stature is really really high so I told myself yes yes there is no second path that I'll be a neurologist and then I went to medical school 
And I feel that that was the time for my awakening. Something shifted inside me. The, the little child in me who always loved subtlety, who always loved romance, for whom art was a way of living life, that child was being killed inside the medical college. I slowly, slowly started losing sense of reality because it was like a long five-year course. Everything that my soul loved was being slowly killed. I no longer could pursue art. I no longer could bring myself to read novels and fictions that I love to read. I no longer could, you know, bask in the glory of romance and love. I um, no longer could, you know, just while my time thinking, and I was running for so long, I was running from like class eight to class 12, you know, and now my body was beginning to give up because I was being exhausted and I wanted something to really nourish my soul, to bring father to my soul to bring lightness and I could not have that. It felt as if I had, I, you know, I ran for the last five, six years and I'm going to run again for the next five, six years. And my body shut down. I went into severe depression. This is also the time when I became very aware of my, of the consequences of my orientation of being a gay man in India and became very, you know, aware of the politics of my identity. And all of these things sort of took away every single plan that I had about my life. It all went topsy-turvy. You know, I still remember waking up in the middle of the night at around two and going to, you know, I, like, I wake up and, I, and I'm, I'm like almost screaming and my mom who comes to the room and then she, um, she says, I mean, she, she's of course hugging me and trying to find out what is wrong with me. And I'm telling her that, you know, I, I need to go to a psychiatrist because I didn't have an option. We did not know at that time that therapy existed, coaching existed, counseling existed. We didn't know at that time. So I told my, my mom that, Ma, uh, please take me to a psychiatrist. And Ma was like, she was in despair, of course. You know, she had never seen me in this manner. It is the complete opposite of what she had ever seen her son to be. Her son was always driven. Her son was always so goal-centric. Her son was always so focused and so disciplined and so ordered. And now to see this version who is miserable, like someone who can't even get out of bed and go to the washroom because everything is so scary. My father, of course, he couldn't understand and it's not his fault. He just could not understand. He had never met someone, seen someone with depression. He had no concept of what anxiety was. He had no idea of what sexuality, orientation, the politics of identity, how that influences one's psyche, one's perception and purview of the world, how discrimination of a person in a system makes the person feel, how less, how small sometimes we can feel in the presence of 
our own awareness of who we are and how we are different. So mom took me to the psychiatrist and um, there's a very funny incident when one of the CBT therapists at the psychiatrist's office told me that, you know, Gaurav, you have to, uh, if you really, really want to improve and cure yourself, you must always uh, think of beautiful women, you know, uh, that'll help you mingle with society because then you would want to live a normal life, isn't it? You would, wouldn't you want to like marry a woman and have children, <laughs> things like that. And she would tell me, <coughs> sorry, then she would tell me, you know, why don't you, why don't you like go to a garden and smell flowers? You'll imbibe feminine energy. Why don't you, you know, put some nice calendars of girls in your, in your, in your bedroom, in your study room, you would really feel good. Anyway, all of that. But that my main issue was existential. It was not about, it was not only, not only about my sexuality, it was existential. I had hit a plateau. And I didn't know, and not, not, not just a plateau, by the way, I had gone into the depths of an ocean. I had hit rock bottom. And I didn't know that I could ever, ever get out of it. I still remember, you know, I used to listen to Chopin's Nocturne. Chopin is a um, Czech composer, uh, Czech Republic, Czech. So he's a Czech composer and he, uh, he and, and, and there's, there's, there are a lot of like piano classics by Chopin. Uh, and they are, these classics are called the Nocturnes, Nocturne 1, Nocturne 2, Nocturne 3. And I remember, you know, listening to all these Nocturnes lying in bed with my mom and my mom was very, very supportive, very supportive. And, and just telling mom that, you know, ma, this is never going to end. I don't know what I will do with my life. And I spoke that sentence. I spoke that sentence for six fucking years of my life. Can you imagine being in the state of stagnancy, not knowing where to go, coming from a place of such high performance, seeing all your friends from school, from college, from university going ahead. They are also in touch with you because well, they know about me. They know about me as the famous boy whose face was put on a billboard of my coaching institute, my medical coaching institute that I had got through all India pre-medical examinations. Everyone knew about me. Imagine the amount of shame and self-disgust that I felt at, uh, at the age of 18, at the age of 19. And to feel, not only feel that, but keep going deeper and deeper into the shell for six years of your life. How long would six years feel in that state? You know that time is subjective. We feel time. We don't live time. And my feeling of time was so... That those six years, believe me, today when I look back, and I think of those six years, it feels like 60 years to me. It feels like that was another lifetime. Gaurav, today's lifetime is different. That was another lifetime. And then I lived and lived and lived and lived and lived. Nothing came out of it. I tried my best. I gave my best. I wanted to get out of the depression. I wanted to get out of this stagnancy. I wanted to get out of this frozen state. Everything is frozen. 
I, I not only can't perform, I can't study, I can't read, I try my best, I cannot pass my examinations. It is an endless loop. And that was also strengthened by seeing people in my medical college who um, stayed in the medical college for 10 years, 15 years. Okay. And I would think that, I would think that, you know, um, what if I just cannot pass my exams because of this whole stagnancy state and I just keep going on and on and on till 15 years. I am 19, I'm 20 and by the time I'm 35, what if I'm stuck here and I never get out of here? I mean, you cannot imagine the perils of that thought pattern, those feelings, being stuck, then being stuck in Guwahati at the same time, not getting out, not ever finding a partner, not ever having a life where I can spend a beautiful life with maybe a, good, a great man. All things, you know, not only like, not only money, not only um, money was like out of the question, not only like being just an MBBS graduate, not only that, but all other things, my dream of becoming a neurologist, never having a job, who's going to give me a job, you know, like if, I, if I'm stuck like this, right, never getting out of depression, never finding a partner, never, you know, uh, having any life of my own. It was living hell, I would say. It was living hell. And finally, when, my, when I managed to pass every exam, somehow or the other, barely passing, barely moving through, also because the professors took mercy on me, took pity on me, barely passing through, when I finally passed my last examination, my dad went to the board of psychiatrists and professors and uh, asked them if I could like do my internship outside the hospital. Usually they don't do that, but for me, they made an exception because there was a rule and a clause under the Indian Medical Council, you know, uh, code that uh, you can, you can, you can allow a student who is going through, you know, any form of mental illness or um, difficulty can, and it has to be validated by a whole board of psychiatrists. So there were like five psychiatrists who agreed on the fact that, you know, that I am not functional fully. So they allowed me to practice um, in the civil hospital at a small town called Mongoldoy. I wrote about it in my last Substack newsletter and I went there and I slowly, slowly settled into that slow life. And finally, I had that small little, small little glimmer of hope that, okay, if not anything, I will at least be able to, you know, sit in a small sort of chamber and be in this village, semi-village, semi-town kind of place. And I can, you know, live my livelihood. That's what I would say. And that brought so much of happiness. You know, it was not like big ambition of becoming a neurologist, settling down in London. <laughs> but 
in that moment, in that moment, the fact that I could just be in that small town, in that small village, and and the glimmer of hope that I could, you know, be in this small little chamber, see uh, patients, know about, uh, you know, I, I, even though I went through the depression, I was very aware of my subject because I was a learner from the very beginning. So uh, my diagnosis were right, you know, my treatment was right. Everything was um, was easy for me. Just managing myself, my mind, my feelings was not easy. But I had the glimmer of hope that, oh, being here in this small town, having this small chamber, having this small room to myself where I can just see patients, one or two, earning um, 200 rupees or 150 rupees per patient is really, really good enough. At least I will make some 20K, 25,000 somehow. Um, and I'll live in a small house and it'll work out for me. That thought brought the greatest happiness. It brought so much of gratitude that, oh my God, I'm finally out of the six-year spell, six-year prison. That brought gratitude. And I have never forgotten the amount of gratitude I felt that day. It was not gratitude for a big thing. It was not gratitude for cracking a big deal of 50 lakh, making a business goal of one crore. It was this small realization that I can live this life, earning my food and comfort, living in a small house. And I'm finally out of that six-year prison. And I never forget to be grateful for those small things that I had in my life. It could be a very small thing for let's say someone observing from outside, someone who lives in Delhi, someone who lives in London, someone who lives in New York. It could be a very small thing, but for me, it was such a huge thing. Since that day, I haven't ever been, ever forgotten to be grateful for things that were given to me by the universe or by God or by whatever force you call it. And I worked with that energy of gratitude and I worked with that energy of possibility that after such a long spell, there is a window of possibility that opens up. When I look back today, I just realize how much resilience I had as a young boy. And when I talk to him sometimes, I close my eyes, I visualize him, I see him walking through the corridors of the medical college, anxious and scared. I tell him that, you know, the reason I love you so much is because you have had so much resilience. I don't think anyone would have survived what you survived. And I remind myself of that experience every time in my business today, I hit any kind of plateau. Or maybe I don't make sales for a very long time. There were times in my business when I was just starting off as a therapist that sometimes I would not have clients. Sometimes no one would come. Sometimes um, I would set goals. Like I would set a goal of like a, a lakh and I would just make 20,000. 
And it's very tempting in all those moments to go into, to go into defeat, to go into thoughts like, this is not working out for me. To feel that I don't think this is the right way. This is the right profession or this is the right technique by which I can make money or tell people about my work, right? I don't think this is the best marketing skill. I don't think this is the best um, way I can communicate. I think I have lost my zeal. I have lost my power. I have lost my fire. It's very tempting to go into those sentences. For me personally, what I do is I go back to those six years, you know. I go back to how without my knowledge of any of these tools today that I have in my hand. Today I have so many tools, right? I, I can coach my brain. I can do DTB. I can like close my eyes and go to my inner child, heal it. I can, you know, I know so many skills. Like I teach them. I'm, I'm, I'm an international trainer. So, I mean, I have like a gazillion skills in my, in my bag, right? So at that time, when I was like 17, 18, 19, I didn't have those skills. I didn't know all of those things, but I had resilience. Without my awareness and knowledge and recognition of it, I had resilience. And I, I look back and look at the choice that this boy made, that he chose to be resilient. He chose to move through it. He chose to believe that there is a window of possibility. And most importantly, he always chose gratitude, even without the knowledge of the word gratitude. I did not even know something called gratitude practice existed, you know, that, that you can actually write down in your diary every single night and, you know, thank the universe for everything that it has given you. I did not know those things. But I was so, so, so grateful, so grateful. I never, ever forget everything that was given to me that I can be grateful for and I was grateful for. This is what has helped me to move through because when we enter a state of lack and we tell ourselves nothing is going to happen, nothing is working out, I'm not making money, my business is suffering, we, we forget about the things that have worked out. We forget about the small successes that today, when you look back, they look small, but at that time they were not small. For me, being in that small village in Mongoldoi, being in that chamber, seeing clients, seeing patients rather, like one on two, have making 100 rupees or 200 rupees per uh, patient was not small. I mean, can you imagine the amount of empowerment a young boy feels after a year of six years of absolute dysfunctionality and not being able to do anything in life, anything. I'm going to remind myself, I will continuously remind myself of that feeling of gratitude that I felt. And, and today when I go into feelings of lack, when I tell myself that, oh, you know, I could have made three lakh from that offer. You know, I just made 50,000, you know. So I go into the energy. It's not that I don't go there. I do. I'm a human being. 
I am greedy. I am lusty. I am, you know, hungry for more. Of course, I'm going to feel like that. But I will also, at the same time, come back to remind myself that, hey, wait a minute. There are things that you have achieved. There are successes that you haven't counted. There are achievements that have brought you here, right? And I will remind myself of the gratefulness, of the gratitude I had for them and I have for them. That keeps me going and reminding that the resilience is one ingredient that every human being can cultivate over a period of time to get where they want to get. I really hope this really, really long um, coaching story, podcast-ish thing helps. I really hope it helps. And I shared it from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. And I would, of course, want to know your comments and your feelings after listening to this. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and are willing to change your business and money reality, head to my free coaching community on Facebook called You Are Money. Link is in the show notes. And do not forget to leave a review on Spotify.com or Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much.